And I hope that uh, you're inspired maybe to share it a little more often. Uh, the first person I asked to share with us tonight uh, is Shoba. If you don't know Shoba, this is Shoba. She's coming up in just a second. And so she's going to share. I think she's got a, a unique background, and I, I wanted to try and pick a, kind of a cross-section of folks. So why don't you come up? You'll be the first one to share. I wanted to start with today. You know, I was in, uh, at work early today, and I had the opportunity to talk about my testimony that I was going to give in church to this young lady whose daughter I bought to VBS to, this week, a wonderful VBS we had. And uh, I gave her the whole story. She was very interested. But what caught my attention was her question after all that she asked me was, would you ever go back to becoming a Hindu? And that is the first time anybody has asked me that question, you know? So I looked at her and I said, okay, if I give you a box of chocolate, original box of chocolate from Switzerland, and I give you a fake chocolate, which one would you eat? She said, the original one. Well, I found the original, and I don't want no fake. <laughs> I was born in a Hindu family. We are seven brothers and sisters, um, born, brought up Hindu. We went to temples, we fasted, we prayed, we did everything that normal Hindu families do. Uh, one, while we were in, we, of course, my background was we went to Catholic schools, you know, because that was the cheap private school that we had there, so all of us went to private school. The Catholics never told us about Jesus, but we went to the school, we went to church with them, we celebrated Easter, we celebrated Christmas with them, but never knew what, what is unique about it. Oh, oh, the Catholics always told us that we were bad because we were Hindus and we were all going to burn in hell. And that was it. There was, no, there was nothing else for us. That always made me angry. And one of the things I always told myself, I'm not going to become a Catholic. I'm not going to get their faith, you know. But God had his own plan. As in my first year of college, my father died. And in an accident, and it was sudden, and my mother was left with six children. She had only one daughter married, and that was the biggest worry for her, you know, because we have dowry system, and we have to pay so much money to get the girls married. So she, in her fear, she started going to different temples and different worships, and she prayed, and she had a wall full of uh, all kinds of alt gods, and you would have seen all the different gods that are there, the one with the elephant head, the one with many hands. And so she started going, and because she was going alone, I started going with her. So I got into the same pattern as her, worshipping like her, fasting like her, um, you know, going, giving alms to poor people, did everything. It was like I was doing the works. Soon I moved out of home because I got a job in another city and I went and I was staying in a working girls hostel. In that hostel, one day, there were two charismatic evangelists who came to the hostel and they were giving their testimony. 
And when the nuns invited us, we have to go. You know, out of respect, we went. We didn't say no to them. But I always stood at the back of the, I was always in the last row, and I was listening. The first one was telling what a sinner he was and how Jesus saved him. He, you know, Jesus, one of his friends introduced him to Jesus, and he got saved. And, and that found, I found interesting because I thought Catholics were good people. And I was like, how, well, how does Jesus save? Because Jesus himself died. And how does Jesus save? The other guy was a Hindu guy like me, and he had to give up his family and everything to follow Jesus, and he did. It did that was the first time it caught my attention. But every time they gave the altar call, I, I ran away. I just walked away from there. Finally, one day they asked me, he says, do you, do you have any questions? Are, do you, are you interested in knowing anything? I said, no, and I went away. I was so afraid of, you know, doing anything against my family wishes. But God had his own plan for me. You know, he roomed me with two Catholic girls who slowly started leading me to church, started teaching me different things, how to pray, how to do things, but the Catholic way. So I became, one day I told them I want to get baptized. I had no idea what I was asking, but I wanted to get baptized because every time I went to church with them, I could not take the bread and the wine because I was not baptized. So I decided I'm going to get baptized and I'm going to take the bread and wine with them so I could be part of them. So I got baptized. It was very easy to get baptized in a Catholic church. You, all you need to know is one Our Father, three Hail Marys, you're good. They, they sprinkle you with water, you're good, you're done. That's how I got baptized the first time. Soon after that, I met a Catholic boy and I got married and we led a Catholic home. I got two children. In 92, we moved to the United States. Um, we lived near a church, so got involved in the Catholic church. Children went to religious ed, everything was good. So my son, you know, was very involved in the church. He was an altar boy. He became the lead altar boy in middle school. In middle school, he started telling me, Mom, I'm not feeling it. I'm saying, what are you not feeling? You're an altar boy. You're doing everything right. He says, no, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to go to this church anymore. I'm not learning. I'm not growing. I don't know anything. And it bothered me. I didn't want him to fall off church. So I said, I confided in a friend, and she started taking him to her church. The first Sunday was a Super Bowl Sunday. And he was so excited with the fellowship the youth had that he want, the pastor invited him to Super Bowl evening in his house and he went with them. He was excited. He enjoyed the fellowship. He said, Mom, they opened the Bible there. He said, really opened the Bible? I said, wow, I said, you know. So he, wanted, he didn't want to go to the Catholic Church after that, so he slowly started going to the Christian church, the Bible teaching church. So I didn't want him to go alone. I started going with him. When I started going with him, I had never, I had opened the Bible, no doubt. I would read the Bible. I would not understand the Bible at all, you know, because the Catholics started out of text always. They just took a particular verse and they would read and teach you just that verse. So it was not complete story about God. It was nothing complete. So I knew bits and pieces, but not complete. 
So when I started going to this church with him, I slowly started knowing more and more about the scripture. And I saw his growth. He went into youth camp once. He came back all changed. He gave his life for Christ. He came back. He said, Mom, I'm going to get baptized in two weeks, he said. And I said, wow. I said, you know, what exactly happened to you? He said, no, I, 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 want to be, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And so he got baptized. And I saw his growth. I saw his excitement. And he kept saying, Jesus is my personal savior. Jesus is my personal savior. And I kept asking him, what do you mean by personal? I said, how does Jesus become your personal savior when he's already there for the whole world? I said, I could not understand that personal business. And so, as I, so I started reading books and trying to understand what Jesus was all about. And when I came to know, I was... It was late, late night one night I was praying and I was listening to a radio and the pastor was teaching about Jesus and he said how he died for me, how every sin is forgiven. And then he asked me this question, have you asked Jesus to be your personal savior? I thought about it for a few minutes and I I started saying the word personal again and again and again. Every time I recited the word, I felt the ownership of God. You know, I felt like I, I belonged to God. I'm, there's something personal about this. So I went on, the, on my knees that late night and I asked Jesus to be my savior. This is in 2002. 20 years later, from the first time I got baptized, I'm here. And Jesus... When I asked him, I just felt like a whole burden was lifted out of me. There was something like I was fighting against. I was fighting to be good. I was fighting um, to, you know, like you don't know your destination. You know, as a Hindu, we don't know what happens to us when we die. They always talk about karma and, you know, you will reborn and you will, according to what you do, you will, you know, become whatever you are. So we didn't, I didn't know my destination. So it was like, I felt like I had to do a lot of good works and a lot of things to do, pray a lot, do a lot of things in order for me to feel peace. Yet I was not at peace until that day when I surrendered my life to Christ. And I felt that God had just removed that burden out of me. That I was his, I had nothing to worry about where I was going. I told the pastors the next two days, you know, met the pastors and told them what happened. And eventually I got baptized. And a Christian life is different. You know, when, you, when you're a newborn Christian, now this is the real newborn Christian, not the Catholic, not anything. This is a newborn Christian. God has created me in his image, I knew. But I had become something else because of my circumstances. I had gone out of what he had created. And so he started chiseling me, molding me, correcting me. And every day I had to go through some stuff in order to correct myself, to make myself proper for him. We went through a lot of hardship. Eventually my husband and me divorced after that. And he walked away. And God very clearly spoke to me and said, Shoba, you're not going to ask for anything. He says, I am your provider. I will provide for you. And I didn't. I didn't ask for alimony. I didn't ask for child support. I didn't ask for anything. 
I said, you take what you want, everything is yours. I don't want anything. And the truth of the matter is, God was faithful. He, he said what he said. I don't need another provider. He was my provider. And, I, and he has provided very well for us, taking care of my two children, getting them through college, getting them through, you know, high, you know both of them are married now, and they're all settled. Eventually, I got to talking to my family about Jesus Christ. Now, we are seven brothers and sisters, and none of them knew Christ. But in the course of those years, I've been reaching out to my sisters. Three of my sisters accepted Christ as the Savior. But my brothers, my brothers were the most adamant, difficult people. And they kept taunting me because every time I went through difficulties, my brothers taunted me, saying, look, you left, the, left our faith, you did this, this is punishment for you, this is punishment for you. And it was always about punishment for me. And I said, I accept that punishment if it is, because my God is good, is enough for me. And so it went on and both my brothers died without knowing Christ. I have one brother still, I've already planted the seed for him. I have nieces and nephews that we have planted seeds and we are reaching out. But it is, we, I know our God. He loves every one of us. He's died for every one of us. Again and again, I've shown my family about the truth. God knew my fears. He knew how scared I was to be alone. He knew how scared I was to bring up my children. And he kept reminding me, fear not, for I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will lead you. Even to the extent when my brothers used to taunt me, he says, there is no other God but me. Isaiah always had that. And every time I opened, I would get that verse. There is no other God but me, Shobah. And I am so grateful that I found the one and true living God, that my children are both following God, and I pray that the rest of my family will do too. Thank you. He's not from India. He's from right down the street. Well, actually, you are from the West Coast. So he's not from Virginia, but he, but he's lived, lived in Virginia. I don't know how long you have, how long have you been in Virginia? Ten years. Yeah. So, I'm gonna hand it over to you. Hi guys. Um, true, I am from the West Coast. I uh, grew up in an atheist home. It was just my mom and my older sister. My real dad left when I was two. Um, and, you know, my mother grew up in an atheist home. My grandfather was in the Second World War. He, uh, he was Marine in the South Pacific, so he saw a lot of beach landings and whatnot. And he always said that um, because he saw so much hatred and, and bloodshed, how could there be a God? And then where other guys, and he, he survived the war, where other guys survived the war said there has to be a God because we went through all of that and I'm still alive. But unfortunately, he, um, he had the other thought. So church and God and all that wasn't something that my mother grew up in. Um, 
So it wasn't something that we grew up in. And my mom did take us to a Catholic church, uh, and only a Catholic church because she liked the traditional sense of it. It's very, you know, pretty and a lot of stuff. Um, so, so that's where we went once, just to, so she could, she wanted to show us, because she didn't know that there was a difference between Catholicism and Christianity and all the other ones. Um, and we went there, and the interesting thing is, is, you know, as we were growing up, out of the church, I didn't read the Bible until the first time until I was in the Navy, and even then I didn't understand a word of it because I wasn't saved. Um, and I only read a small portion of it, a couple of books. A lot of the friends that I had growing up were in different churches. Some were born-again Christians. Their parents said they were. Um, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because in every, every situation, whether it was Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, you name it, I had friends that their parents, that's what they practiced, there was abuse in the house. And it was physical, mental. Um, some of the things that I've seen growing up that my friend's parents did to them was, was horrible. And I thought, wow, you know, we don't have God in our house, but we have love. You know, my mom doesn't break a wooden spoon over my head. She doesn't kick me down the hallway. And these are things that I saw my parents' friends do. Um, we didn't have a lot of food sometimes. Sometimes we didn't have electricity, but there was always love in the house. So growing up, I thought, wow, I don't, I don't need God. Um, because if that's the God that people have a relationship with, I want, I want no part of that. Unfortunately, growing up, I only saw the human side of things, and I didn't understand enough about it being a relationship and, and not just something that you did. Um, fast forward a little bit, joined the service right out of high school, and um, again, no church other than when I was on watch one night, I had one of those little pocket um, New Testaments, and I wrote, read, read a couple of stories out of there, but I didn't understand a thing. Um, and I thought, well, this is, this is why I don't go to church, because it doesn't make any sense. Um, and then I met Dana my first year into the Navy, and um, you know, she had confessed Christ when she was nine, um, she, she recommitted her life to Christ when she started to attend uh, Calvary Chapel of Richmond. Prior to me joining, not joining, but coming, I was still riding my mountain bike. Um, and, um, you know, she was the sweetest woman I ever met. And the funny thing is, is you know, I was young, and um, I knew that the Navy was gonna take me all over the world and I didn't want to be away from somebody that long. And, um, you know, I have to worry about being apart and everything else that, you know, for the folks that are in the, that have been in the military, you guys know what I'm talking about. Relationships are hard anyway. They're really hard when you're, when you're separated. Um, and to put it into perspective, our first three years together, we actually only saw each other two, two years, or one, one year of that, yeah, one year of that, because I had two six-month workup cycles, 
and then a lot of, um, or two, two six-month May cruises and a lot of workup cruises in between that. Um, so a lot of, long time separated, but you know, I was faithful, she was faithful. Uh, we even had, um, she had friends of hers, clients of hers, and, and I had friends of mine saying, you're, you're gonna be faithful? <laughs> and you're, you're gonna wait six months? You're gonna wait longer than that? Yeah, I don't, it was, but it was surprising to them. Um, and that's sad. And then um, out of the service, we stayed in Virginia for another year, and then we moved back to California, where I worked in a very wholesome industry, the a movie industry. There's no sin that goes on there at all. Um, and, um, you know, <clears throat> we were out there eight years. I grew up out there. It's different growing up there and then living out there as an adult. But we lived out there eight years, and um, it just, it's a different place. Um, very superficial, very me, me, me. And it wasn't a place, even unsaved, it wasn't a place that I wanted to raise a family. And I knew that, we, we knew that we wanted to raise a family. So we thought, hey, you know, we'll move back to Virginia. So we did. And, um, you know, growing up, I first started street, riding bikes in the street, um, and then a friend of mine turned me on to mountain biking. So I spent a lot of time in the mountains in California mountain biking. So when I came out here, I spent a lot of Sundays um, mountain biking. So when Dana you know, would go to a church, before she came to Calvary Chapel, I would hit the, the trails. And when she found a church that seemed okay, she's like, well, why don't you come, come with me? So I would go. And ultimately, the pastor would say something. I'm like, see, honey, this is why I don't go to church. Um, every single time. And, uh, you know, she and I had many, many conversations about Christ and about um, religion and what it means and what it doesn't mean and what it shouldn't mean. And I still, you know, I couldn't get over, I couldn't get over a lot of things about religion. Um, and then I remember when Dana found Calvary Chapel of Richmond, it was a Christmas program. And, you know, before the, the kids come up and, and do their thing, Pastor Tim teaches, you know, 10, 15 minutes, talks about what it all means. And as he was talking, I thought to myself, wow, this, this is what I would think church should be. And, um, you know, the people here were nice, too, so that was a plus. Um, and then, you know, the, started hanging out with you guys more and more and more, and um, started going to the Friday night fellowships over at the Garas, and uh, some of the guys invited me to a, um, the Bottom Rowers Bible study. And, um, you know, we, were, we had just started, and we were talking just kind of, conversation piece and I remember talking about I had done a volunteer thing at work where they do this um, thing for the homeless and they set up the, the city of Richmond sets up this whole thing for you know medical, dental haircuts, social security office everything there for the homeless people trying to get them back on their feet, get them some food um, and whatnot. but what they didn't have was anybody from a church 
There was no, no prayer tent, no anything like that. And even then, being unsaved, I thought to myself, boy, these people really need prayer. Not, I mean, they need a haircut, but they also, they, they really need prayer. Um, but, I, you know, you don't, when you have thoughts like that, when you're unsaved, you don't really know what that means. Um, it just, they should have prayer. So, but I, you know, Dana would continue to come to church on Sundays. I would continue to ride my mountain bike, um, which I still love, by the way, but I love the Lord more, so that's a good thing. Um, but the Lord really started working in my heart, really started softening my heart. And, you know, it, it, work was going fine. It really was. Uh, my family is wonderful. And this is, going to, this is going to sound selfish, but I think you guys can understand I was missing something. You know, it wasn't, you know, the family was great. The work was fine. But there was, I could tell there was something, you know, missing. And, um, you know, so it was... It was the first Sunday of 2013, I think it was. And uh, Dana came to church. It had just rained, and um, it was super slippery. And I was coming down this long hill, and um, right after the hill, there's this wooden kind of track. Well, if you guys know anything about wet wood, it's very slippery. So I hit that wet wood that my bike went one way and I went the other way. And um, so I kind of laid there, you know, making sure I was still alive and got back on my bike, rode a couple of yards, 20, 30 yards or so. And a couple was out walking their dog, their house dog. And he comes around the corner, bites me in the leg. Now, I've, I've been riding this trail now for a long time. And I've, I've never come across a biting dog. And... So after the dog bites me, you know, the people are kind of freaking out. And, um, I, you know, I said, you know, just get the dog away from me. So they left. And I was like, okay, God, you, you, you have my attention, you know. If it takes me getting bit by a dog and falling off my bike, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. So the, the Lord keeps working. And one day I get home and, you know, just, again, I had this thought like, wow, this is, my life's good, but, you know, this, this, this can't be it. And I heard a little voice say, who said it has to be? And I know it was the Lord. And um, I think it was Cal who had asked me again. He's like, hey, you know, we're going to go over to Randy's and for the um, bottom rowers. This is before it was bottom rowers. It was just the, the men's prayer study. I said, okay, I'll go. And I gave my life to Christ then. And that was in April. And it, it, such a wonderful thing happened. And the funny thing, and I, I don't know if I've told you guys this, but, you know, when, when I gave my life to Christ, I was thinking to myself, boy, these guys are really excited. Like, why are they so happy? Because you know? um, I didn't understand. You know, now I understand. And, you know, but, yeah, I was just, wow, this is, this is interesting. Um, but the, the Lord has done such a wonderful um, change in my life. You know, the, the old me is, is away. I mean, I, obviously I still struggle with everything else that everybody else does, but I have, I have strength 
that I never had before. I have hope that I never had before. And that feeling of, of something missing is gone. And it was, I was missing the Holy Spirit. And I, I find it fascinating and such a blessing to know that, you know, the Lord will speak to you even though you don't know it's him. He'll show you things. He'll show people things. And I, you know, since being saved, I've, I've, you know, talked to, of course, my friends and family. And, you know, when I told my stepdad that uh, I was saved, he started laughing. But I, I knew he would. He, you know, he, my entire family is, is not saved. Um, although I do have some, one wonderful thing. My real father, who my older sister got in contact with, um, spent and basically his entire life, an alcoholic and a drug addict. And that was one of the biggest reasons why my parents split way back when. Um, but he passed away a couple of years ago, but three years before he passed, he gave his life to Christ. And um, he cleaned up his act. And he, he stopped the alcohol, he stopped the drugs. He, um, you know, established a relationship with his his other children, and even my older sister, his wife, you know, he stopped going to prison. And he became very active in his church. It's just, you know, it's a wonderful testimony. And to know that I'm going to see him again, you know, it's, it's great. Because I was very angry with him for a long time, and I had an opportunity to see him, and I didn't. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, um, thank you for the opportunity to share part of most of my testimony. I don't know if I can get any more out, but um, that's it. Thank you. Isn't that great? So we'll be doing about two. We've got a couple more Wednesdays left, so you may get picked. Uh, if you're afraid of crowds, you can say no. I'll move on to someone else. But uh, I'll try and do uh, one to two. I think we're, the goal is two every Wednesday for the next couple of Wednesdays. And I wonder, I uh, sit there listening to Trevor and I listen to Shoba. I wonder if we'll do this in heaven. You know, I wonder if, <laughs> if Jesus would say, we could, how many people have lived uh, and have, have a testimony? I mean, would say, all right, uh, Moses, come up and tell the rest of the story that I didn't write in the Bible. The other stuff that uh, Abraham, uh, people think that it all started here, but go back way back when and er, when I was calling you long before, because you can't fit it all, you know, in the love letter to humanity, but uh, I don't know. Maybe when we get to heaven, that would be a pretty cool thing. Jesus said, calling anybody, uh, because it would all give glory to him. It wouldn't, wouldn't give glory to the person. We would be there by grace. And, um, I just, uh, I did appreciate Sunday when I mentioned that we had someone get saved in the parking lot um, the Sunday before last. Uh, Y'all just burst into clapping, which was really, really cool. And uh, what I wanted to show, but I can't show it because uh, on the Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale website, uh, on the mobile app, which I will sometimes work out on my elliptical machine and I'll watch previous services or worship. And on the mobile app, it shows from worship all the way to the very end of the service. But on the main app, or on the main website, 
it cuts it off right at the end of the message. And I'm not quite sure why. So the mobile, you get to see everything. And on the, if you look on their website there, uh, you don't get to see the, uh, the actual altar call. What was cool is this past Sunday, um, Pastor Fidel was uh, sharing and uh, Doug was out of town. So Fidel has been there since the beginning. And, you know, he is given an altar call and he's expressing that, you know, I know you sitting out there probably think, I can't wait till this is over. This guy's making me feel really weird. I'm starting to get weirded out. I feel, uh, you know, he gives an altar call and um, when one person comes forward, the place just erupts. And then uh, two or three more people come and then they stand up and it's just like a standing ovation. And then before you know it, it looks like the United Nations up front uh, because people just start coming out of the woodwork and coming to Christ. And it, it must have been 40, 50 people got saved this past Sunday there. And I want to show because I believe someday if we're faithful, uh, God will do that someday here in Richmond. Not necessarily here, although I hope here. Uh, you know, the Bible says that God will give us the desires of our heart. If you have a desire to see a lot of people get saved, that's a really good desire. If you say, I want a Lamborghini, that's not a great desire. Those aren't the things that, that God really cares about. Uh, but I really think that uh, if you've been blessed by Shoba's testimony and Trevor's, uh, recognize that there was a time, as you know, that they weren't saved. Or Trevor, not that long ago. If you, yours wasn't that long ago. I mean, both of you within the last decade, right? So within the last 10 years, Right, both of you in the last 10 years. Uh, the other thing that was noteworthy about both her testimonies, in one case, your son helped bring you to the Lord, and then Dana helped bring Trevor to the Lord, inviting him, and then other, some of the men here, hey, why don't you come? And that whenever you see altar calls at other Calvary chapels or other churches, a lot of times at Calvary's, they'll say, hey, if your friend brought you, walk forward with them. Most people get saved because someone else reached out to them. Most people get saved because you have a relationship with them. Most people get saved because you invited them to church. Most people can say because you gave them a book to read or because you said, hey, I'm praying for you or whatever. And they would come back later and say, what did you mean by you're praying for me? What does that even mean? Right? Someone who's unsaved would you know, maybe, maybe ask that question. So uh, as you hear the testimonies of each person, you know, they're all going to be unique, but, uh, but very, very common that someone else will be involved. And I hope that these things remind us that there's another Shoba, another Trevor, right outside the door. And, of course, you shared the testimony with your coworker, and uh, there's someone else that's close, and we don't know it. Amen? Why don't you stand as we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for drawing Trevor and Shoban to yourself. We know that no one can come to you unless you've drawn them. And Lord, you've drawn every one of us that are saved. And we thank you for all the ways, Lord, many years back where you would use little things to grab our attention. Even that little test, New Testament that Trevor was uh, holding, you were drawing him then. Even when Shoban was uh, trying different uh, religions and in attempting to uh, earn her way uh, in some good works. Lord, even then you were drawing. And Lord, uh, we just pray for those that, uh, that you're drawing even now, those that we've witnessed to in the last year, those that have heard the gospel here uh, in, the, in the sanctuary here, the, the kids that heard it in VBS last week or parents that brought them, those that uh, we've 
witness to in family members and co-workers. Lord, we pray that those that we've shared the gospel with, even now, Lord, your Holy Spirit is pricking their heart, opening their heart, drawing them unto you. Lord, we pray that as we move to this new location three miles away, uh, that it'll be a place where we'll see a great harvest of many come to know you. That we'll see Sundays where there's an altar just packed with people coming to know you as Lord and Savior. We know that you're not taking us by coincidence or by chance, but Lord, that you desire to do even more than we've already seen, and you've done so much already. And so we just thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, and we pray that uh, you would just stir us, Lord, that uh, you'd relight the fire in each of our hearts, Lord, that we would just never lose that zeal of our salvation. And Lord, that you'd increase it even more, and we just ask these things in your name, we pray. Amen.